So if you have your Bibles, your electronic devices, you can click to or turn to, or if not, the scripture is going to come up on the, on the side screens is at the appropriate time. And we want to conclude this series called Desperate, in which we're looking at the, the 23rd Psalm. And so over the last six weeks, today is the last uh, sermon in that series, uh, we're going to conclude the series on the 23rd Psalm. I've entitled this message, Future. In other words, in other words, really, how to face the future with, with confidence. The, the 23rd Psalm is really God's antidote for facing the future with fear. It's how to help us as believers, as Christians, to where we, we face the future with confidence, regardless of where we are, regardless of the season that we're in, to where we're, we, 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 we don't live our life worried about tomorrow, because when you're worried about tomorrow, it messes up today, right? And so, when, in other words, as believers, and David came to this place to where he had great confidence in, in the future. So verse 6, here's what the scripture says. Uh, one more time, David writes, and he said, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And then he makes this statement, and he says, And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. In other words, David, David went through the valley of shadow of death more than once. David had pain, he had disappointment, he had hurt, he had things that, that happened in his life that, that he caused. Uh, he had pain and, and disappointment in life that other people caused. He was innocent in the situation, and someone slandered him, someone talked about him, Saul was pursuing him. And so David knew what it was like to go through his life with pain. David knew what it was like to go through the valley of the shadow of death, and yet David is able to say, like, with confidence, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of, of, of my life. And in other words, that he, he didn't have any anxiety about tomorrow. He didn't have any anxiety about the future. He didn't have fear about the future. He didn't worry about the future. All of a sudden, he came to this place to where he had confidence in his life. And so the question is, how do we get that confidence? How do we as believers get that confidence, the confidence that David had? I think there's three things when we're going to unpack these. Let me give them to you. Uh, David understood, and the reason he had this confidence is he understood because God is like watching over me. Grace is working in me, and heaven is waiting for me. In other words, David understood, and he came to this place, and David was a very imperfect person, right? And David struggled in a lot of areas, but he says, you know what? I get it. I understand it. I, when I look back over my life, God was watching over me. Grace had been working in me, and heaven is waiting for me. So the first one is this. Uh, David had confidence to the future, for the future because he understood that, that God is watching over me. Again, he says, surely goodness will follow me all the days of my life. In other words, he says, because God is a good shepherd, the good father, I can depend on him to provide for me, to protect me. In other words, in other words, David came to this place as no matter what happens to me in life, goodness is going to follow. God's going to bring some good out of it. It's either going to be, you know what, it's either going to be for, for my good, it's going to be for the good of those around me, or it's going to be for, the, for kingdom good. But David came to this place and said, you know what, God, God is just good. And goodness will follow me. Goodness follows me all the days of my life. Psalm 3, 5 says, uh, David actually wrote this psalm. He says, I lay down and slept, yet I woke in, in safety, for the Lord was watching over me. In other words, are, are you aware that God cares about the details of your life? God knows your hurt and God knows your pain. He knows the situation you're in, the circumstance you're in right now. God knows even if you have fear of tomorrow, he knows what is that fear is based on, the anxiety. And God cares about you. And we don't know what the future holds. 
But what David would say, I, I know the one who, who holds the future. And he says, and I know God's in control and God is good and God wants to help me and God provides for me. He's like that good father wa watching over me. And David said, surely goodness will, will follow me. And so when David, David says that, you have to understand what, what he was talking about. He says, he says, the issue of goodness follows me because David had hurt and David had disappointment. Fact is, if you study his life, David is like one of my favorite Old Testament characters uh, of, of the old, or, or people of the Old Testament. And when you look at his life, you realize that, that there were some things that happened to David that weren't good. I mean, so he's not saying that only good things are going to happen to you. Because we know this, bad things happen to good people. And so he's not saying that only good is going to happen to you. He's saying what he is saying. He's saying, you know what? Goodness is going to follow you. Good things will come out of whatever you go through. Good things will come out of whatever happens to you, whether it's evil or, or, or a defeat or difficulty or disappointment, that God's going to ensure that he's going to bring good out of the situation. And so the question is, is, is for me, and this, this is a little personal, but how do you handle the disappointments in life? You ever been in the valley of shadow of death? You ever been in that valley? And I just tell you this, if... If you don't know who God is before you step into the valley, then you'll let the valley determine for you, tell you who God is. You'll let your circumstances tell you who God is. You ever, you ever been in a valley? Yeah. Thank you. I, I was worried I was the only one. If not, we're going to just take a break. Everybody's going to get coffee, and we're going to come back when we're awake. <laughs> Lots of coffee, right? I've had zip fizz, so that helps me. So... Uh, I haven't quit the zip fizz yet, and so. Uh, but you ever been in? You ever been in that valley? You ever you ever dealt with disappointment? You ever dealt with like like you know theologically, you know mentally God is good, but it doesn't feel like it. Can we be that honest this morning? You guys okay? I don't want to freak you out, but you okay? You ever? Let's just talk, okay? I know what it's like to be in a valley, right? You know our family story. I want to tell you some things that I've learned when you're in the valley. If you're going to understand that goodness and mercy will follow you all the days of your life. That there are times that we go through some things in life that, you know what, they, they, are, they are not good. And they are hurtful and they're painful and they're disappointment, uh, disappointing. There's some things that in our life that it doesn't, guess what, it just doesn't turn out the way it pl we'd planned. Our desires, our expectations, our dreams and all of those other things. And so all of a sudden, we step into the valley. And you've got to deal with that issue of your disappointment. You've got to deal with that issue of your, of, your, of your hurt and of your pain. And one of the core things that I've learned when you're in the valley is this, and you just got to cling to it. There's several things you have to cling to. And one of the things that you have to cling to, you have to, one, you just have to know. You says, God, I know that you're good, and I know that you love me. And you have to come to that place daily to find something that you're grateful for. Something that you're thankful for. To where you come to that point and say, God, this day, you know what? It hurts. It's bad. It's painful. But today I'm grateful for it. And you name it. Because here's what I've learned. I've learned that a thankful heart, I've learned that when you're thankful, it changes the climate of your heart. It changes the climate of your attitude. If you could just remember and think on, this is what I'm thankful for. And there's several things that you have to do when you're in a, in a valley is this. You just have to hold fast to knowing that, you know what? Man, God loves me, 
and God is good. See, this is what it means. Goodness and mercy will follow me. We'll understand that in a little bit. But we have to come to that place where we just hold fast to, God, I know you're good, and I know you love me. In other words, in the circumstances, we have to realize that his thoughts are, are higher than his thoughts. His ways are different than our ways. In other words, we understand that God is molding and God has a plan, even though we don't understand. And the second thing is this. If we're going to cling to him in the valley, the second thing is this, is we have to be willing to worship him through our lack of understanding. That may be the most difficult thing to do in the valley. Because it's, if we're honest, there's some things in the valley we don't understand, right? That's what, that's what is confusing to us. We don't understand how it's working out this way. We don't understand what we're going through. And so we, we have those questions. And listen, when we get in the valley, we have to worship him in spite of our lack of understanding, through our lack of understanding. A couple of years ago, there's a song that came out. We worship to it now. It's a King of My Heart. It's, one, it's like one of my favorite worship songs, and it's talking about that issue of gratitude, and God's the king of my heart, not my circumstances, not my situation, not my valley. There's a, there's a line in there, and this is where I was a couple of years ago, and there's a line in there that all of a sudden it says, and he will never let you down, God will never let you down, he will never let you down, God will never let you down, and I'm, I'm in this valley, and I'm worshiping, and, and I said, God, if I'm honest, I... I kind of feel like you've let me down. You ever felt like that? Am I the only one? Okay, okay, good. I'm going to start preaching on lying here in a second. <laughs> You're in church, remember? God is watching over you. Anyway. <laughs> and so I'm like, God, I, I don't know. This doesn't feel good. I kind of think you've let me down. The third thing is this. When you worship him through your lack of understanding, you have to have a dialogue with him honorably, out of respect. And I had that dialogue. God, I, I just don't know. It just doesn't feel good. And God took me through a process to where I learned that, you know what, Charlie, I, I didn't let you down. You... you, you you had some expectations. You had some dreams that weren't my dreams. You had some desires. And I may have let your expectations down, but I, I didn't let you down. I didn't let you down. You have to come to the place, I'm just telling you, when you get in the valley. See, this is David. David is like with confidence. David is like, I may be in the valley, but I can tell you this. You know what's going to follow the valley? You know what's going to follow me? This issue of goodness and mercy. And that's why it's so important. You, you, you can just read the, the, the Psalms for yourself that David read, uh, that wrote, that David wrote, that he pressed into the pain. You have to press into the pain and you have to grow. You have to have that conversation. You have to be real. You have to be transparent with God. When you look at the Psalms, David was transparent. There are some things that David wrote in the Psalms just where he was at the point. And God ministered to him to where you come to that place and you understand that guess what? 
goodness and mercy shall follow you all the days of your life. Romans 8.28 is probably a a very famous uh, passage for believers, but it doesn't make any sense unless you tie verse 29 to it. And here's what it says, verse 28. He says, and we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love him. So he's talking about believers. I'm talking about believers. This is specific to believers. And are called according to his purpose for them in verse 29. For God knew his people in advance and he chose them to become like his son. So that his son would be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. In other words, this, if we love God, then we are fitting into his plans. He's not fitting into our plans. See, he may have let down my plans, the plan for my life. But I am fitting into his plan. He's not fitting into my plan. And so all of a sudden you understand that as a believer, the Bible says that everything works together for good. Listen, not that everything is good, but everything works together for good. In other words, he, he says goodness and mercy or goodness will follow me. In other, it, it, I mean, no defeat, no difficulty, no dilemma, no hurt, no pain. In other words, God is going to bring good out of it. There's, man, if you have those times that you feel like that it's just not good and you don't feel his mercy or sometimes you feel like God's goodness is hidden from you. Can can I tell you, Jesus felt that? Remember on the cross and Jesus said, my God, my God, why have you, thank you, forsaken me. And sometimes we go through the valley of the shadow of death. Sometimes we go through situations and it's hard. I'm telling you, it is hard see his goodness and only later can we look back on that situation and we could begin to see some of the good that came out of it you ever you ever gone through a crisis and that crisis man you when you're in the midst of the crisis it's hard to see the goodness of God and you look back on it you realize God used that crisis to call me back to the church call me back to him God used that crisis to put a family together God used that crisis to help me understand him in a different way. You ever, you ever walk through something? The Apostle Paul, remember the Apostle Paul? He was falsely accused in Scripture. He was falsely accused. He was, he was falsely put in prison. Was that good? Absolutely not. Did good come out of it? Absolutely. It was in prison that Paul came face-to-face with himself and face-to-face with God. He wrote letters that circulated to the church, which came most of the New Testament. As a result of that, the people in his area benefited. We're still benefiting from, from Paul's situation. Psalm 91.11 says, For he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in, in all of your ways. Have you ever gone through a situation and you felt like somebody had to have been watching over me? Someone had to have been watching over a loved one? A couple of weeks ago, Karen was coming back from uh, Colorado Springs. She, she's up there two days a week watching grandkids. And uh, so she's coming back southbound, I-25, uh, right-hand lane, uh, coming up on, on the, the raceway, PPIR. And so an elderly man that eventually got his license taken away from him uh, came out. Instead of going on the own ramp to, uh, to go southbound, I-25, this elderly man wanted to go to Denver. So he simply decided to pull straight across I-25 southbound and to get to the south the northbound side where Karen's going the speed limit and so uh, and so she's going 75 miles an hour and uh, <laughs> she doesn't speed 
<laughs> she's going 75 miles an hour, and all of a sudden, it's like everything. And, and you know, I-25, it's crowded. And so all of a sudden, cars are like going everywhere, and she begins to change lanes trying to get away from this man. And so she went from lane to lane, and now she's in the emergency lane, and then all the construction stuff, she couldn't go any farther, and he, and he, and he sideswiped her he, with his front end. And we, we still don't know how there wasn't a fatality. We still do not know how someone didn't have a serious traffic accident. She, she drove home from it after the police were there and took his driver's license from him uh, because he, he, was just, he was disoriented and confused. And so Karen and I have had conversations about, you know what? Somebody had to be watching over you for that. Have you ever walked through a situation in life to where it was in an ER, where there's an accident, or it was something that it could have turned out much worse? And you thought, you know what? I, and I don't understand it, but somebody had to be watching over us. Somebody had to be caring for us. And then you look back on it later, and you, all of a sudden you could see the, the goodness of the Lord. Man, I'm telling you, uh, it's through crisis. It's in the valley sometimes. This, this, this is David's life. And so the first thing that David said, the reason that we can have confidence for the future is because of this issue is because we know that God is our good shepherd and he's watching over us. The second thing is this, maybe one of the most powerful ones for me because grace is working in me. I don't know about you, but I need grace. And I need a lot of grace. And I need grace and mercy. And so this issue, David came to the place and says, I can be confident for the future because I get it. I understand God is watching over me, and this issue of grace is working in me. Psalm 103.8 says, The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. The easiest way I can understand grace is grace is this, God's riches at Christ's expense. It's God, we get God's riches at Christ's expense. We get God's riches because of what Jesus Christ did for us on the cross, the forgiveness of sin, the newness of life, and this issue of grace. And all of a sudden, David puts grace and mercy together. And the reason that we need grace and mercy is because we're imperfect people, right? Man, we're, we're going to sin and we're going to blow it in the future. Guess what? We're going to blow it. We're going to make mistakes. We're going to make bad choices. And we need this issue of grace. Grace is the fact that God gives you what you need, not what you deserve. None of us want what we deserve because we're imperfect people. But grace is this issue where God gives us what we need, not what we de deserve. And the Bible says that God is gracious and gives us what we need, not what we deserve. And so then, what is this issue of mercy? Mercy is grace in action. Mercy is this continual forgiveness. Mercy is this continual love and forgiveness. And when you understand grace and mercy, that when you understand grace and mercy, and when you understand that goodness and mercy will follow you all the days of your life, then you understand when bad things happen to you, God is not trying to get even with you. And there are so many people, they have a sin of the past, they have something of the past, it could have happened 10 years ago, 15 years ago, 20 years ago, and every time something bad happens to them, they're like, you know, aha, God's trying to get even with me. It's because of whatever. When you understand goodness and mercy will follow you all the days of your life, when you understand this issue of mercy and grace, you understand that, guess what? God is not trying to get even with you. God does not have to get even with you for things he's already paid for on the cross. They're gone. You're totally and completely forgiven. 
So God is not trying to get even with you. When you go through a tough time, when you go through a difficult time, when you step into the valley of the shadow of death as a believer, you know it's not God trying to get you back. God's not trying to pay you back. Psalm 103, verse 2, he goes on and David writes and he says, Let all that I am praise the Lord. May I never forget the good things he does for me. That's being grateful. That is being reminded of of the things that God has done for you. He forgives all of my sins, heals all of my diseases. He redeems me from death and crowns me with love and his tender mercy. He fills my life with good things. My youth is renewed like eagles. The Lord is righteous and justice to all who are treated unfairly. He revealed his character to Moses, his deeds to the people of Israel. The Lord is compassionate and merciful, slow to anger, and filled with unfailing love. He will not constantly accuse us nor remain angry forever. He does not punish us for all our sins. In other words, he forgives them. He does not deal harshly with us as we deserve. For his unfailing love towards those who fear him is as great as the height of the heavens above the earth. When you understand mercy, that God is not only being good to you, but he's being merciful to you. And and the healing and the forgiveness of your sin and the forgiveness of your mistakes, mercy means that when I go through a valley, when I go through a difficult time, when I go through uh, a painful circumstance, even though I brought it on myself, God gives me grace and mercy. Even though it's my fault, God helps me out. In other words, what David says is issue of mercy and, and, and goodness follows us all of our life. It's like, it's like following behind a toddler, picking up after him all day long, right? God does that with us. God follows us around and picks up and cleans up after us. That's mercy and grace. I mean, he says, mercy will follow me all the days of my life. Not some of the days, not just my good days, not just the days I make good decisions. God follows me. God gives me grace and mercy all the days of my life. My good days and my bad days. He is constant. He loves us. Because in life we're going to experience all kinds of days. Happy days, sad days, sick days, depressed days, lonely days, difficult days. And we do not have to fear the future because because we know that mercy and grace will follow us all the days of our life. And there are those days that we don't feel his mercy and his grace. And sometimes it's hard to determine. But David came to this place to where he understood that God loves me and God cares for me and goodness and mercy follows me my entire life. Goodness is the fact that, that God gives us good things in life that we don't deserve. Mercy is that God holds back the condemnation that we do deserve. And we need, we need both of them. It's just such an assurance of being a child of God. When you look at this, the, the psalm starts out with, the Lord is, is my shepherd, and as a result, I shall not want. And so you, you lead sheep and you drive cattle. In other words, to drive cattle, someone gets behind cattle and drives them. But, but see, sheep are totally different. They have a relationship with the shepherd. They, they, they know the shepherd's voice. And as a result of that, the shepherd gets in front of the sheep calls them and then the sheep naturally like community so they 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 bunch up tight and they follow the shepherd and then 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 normally a shepherd will have two sheep dogs uh one on the left and one on the right grace and mercy 
that follow the sheep. And if a sheep begins to go off you know, into the ditches or begins to stray, then this issue of goodness and mercy will nip at their tails and bring them back. In other words, this, there's no way a shepherd can lose a sheep. There's no way that a sheep can stray. And guess what? That is good news for us. Once you're a child of God, you are always a child of God. There's nothing you can do to get out of the flock. There's nothing you can do to get out of the family. You know why? Because goodness and mercy follow you all the days of your life. And even when you make a poor decision, even when you make a bad decision, even when you stray, it is goodness and mercy that are like nipping at your tail, bringing you back into the flock. And sometimes we feel that, right? Sometimes we feel that, whether it's conviction or whatever. And so it's this assurance that we have of salvation. It's this assurance that when you're in the family, you're in the family. You're not, you're not in the family one week and out of the family the next week. We have this issue of grace and mercy. The third and the last thing that gave David great confidence was this. He says, you know what? And heaven is waiting for me. He said, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And then when this life is over, heaven is waiting for me. And he makes this statement, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. In other words, he says that God has this great plan for our life. And in this life, goodness and mercy shall follow us all the days of our life. And when this life is over, it's like this transition for the believers, like a promotion. It's a promotion into eternity. It's a promotion into heaven. And it happens immediate, 2 Corinthians 5.1 says, For we know that if the tent that is our earthly home is destroyed, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. In other words, so it's, it's eternity, that we're going to spend life with him in heaven uh, in, uh, for eternity. And that's the reason that we can have confidence. Uh, verse 5, he goes on and says, So we're always of good courage. We know that we are... While we are at home in the body, we're away from the Lord. For we walk by faith, not by sight. Yes, we are of good courage, and we would rather be away from the body and at home with the Lord. In other words, what, what, what Paul begins to say in Romans is this, is that, is that we, immediately, we immediately go to heaven when we pass away. And it's like, it's like a transfer into, into eternity because grace and mercy have followed us all the days of our life, and we're totally and we're completely forgiven. All of our sins are forgiven, past, present, and future. And as a result of that, we spend eternity with him. A place where there's no more valleys. A place where there's no more tears and hurt and pain and disappointment. A place where we'll be reunited with our loved ones who have gone before us. A place where we'll, we'll have complete and total happiness. A place where we'll no longer struggle like we did in this world. And so scripture teaches that once you become his, you're his. And that as a believer that we can have great confidence about the future. Uh, Jesus said in John chapter 10, verse 27, he says, he says, and my, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they will never perish and no one will snatch them out of my hand. My father who has given them to me is greater than all and no one is able to snatch them out of the father's hand. And I and the Father are one. In other words, Jesus talks about a relationship. He talks about a relationship with him that we have with him, that he is our, that he is our good shepherd, and that we, we follow him, we listen to him, and that no one can snatch us out of his hand. 
because grace and mercy follow us all the days of my life. Let me ask you, do you, do you know him? Do you have a personal relationship with him? Do you ever, you ever just come to that place to where you say, God, I, I, ju I just want to accept you as my personal Lord and Savior. Lord, and to the very best of my ability, I'm going to follow you. And Lord, I'm going to trust that goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. Even though I go through situations and circumstances that I don't understand, Lord, I'm going to trust you to bring good out of it. Whether it's for my good, whether it's for somebody else's good, or for it's, whether it's kingdom good. And I am going to learn to be grateful and thankful uh, for the things that you have done for me every day of my life. That's what it means to be a follower. That's what it means to follow him. Would you bow your heads with me and close your eyes?